I'm in awe of people who, you know, I run and I'm, that's it. I'm a, I'm a one-stop shop over here. I'm and not, you're a fast runner, I learned. I, I've done Boston a couple times. So with enough yeah. training, my legs will turn over on a good day. Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> but a dual athlete, triathlete, not even close. So I am always like, at the end of this, you just go, yeah, you know, it's 112 miles. And then I run a marathon at the end. I'm like, are you, I, <laughs> wow. So you know, awesome. it's really what you train your body for. And you know that. And more more so, it's, it's your mind. It's a mental game than it is any than anything else. I mean, you know, you get to a point in any part of your life that you don't feel like you can keep going. But if, you're, if you convince your mind that you can, then you then you can cross any finish line. Just That's right. More mental than it is anything. You're listening to the Remorseless Podcast. Hey, guys, what's up? Welcome to episode number 34. As you just heard, we have Dr. Trudy Simmons on the show. She is an Iron Man or all things equal opportunity, gender equity over here. She's an Iron Woman. And so the analogy that you guys are going to hear on this episode is with regard to the mental game that it takes to cross finish lines and whether that means spiritually, physically, emotionally, all the things. Dr. Trudy is here to tell us about the fact that tough times don't last, but tough people do. So I hope you guys are ready for this episode. She is amazing. She's also the host and co-producer of The Christian View, among a whole slew of other things that you guys can read about in the show notes. I just want to make this quick, sweet, short, happy that you're here as always. Okay, you guys, let's go. Episode number 34. Let's roll. So much for joining us today here on the Life Network for Women on Remorselessly Biblical. I know you are also a content creator, a big one, and also on Life Network for Women, right? Yes, yes, yes. I have two shows on Life Network for Women, The Christian View and Everyday Living with Dr. Trudy. I am so very excited to be with you and to meet you in person last month. Yes, thank you. And that is what I want to start with because on yeah. this show, the viewers know that I always love God's providence and how he brings people into our lives when we least expect it. So can you just really quickly share, you just did a little bit about how we know each other, how we met. You know what? You froze on me and I didn't hear you. Oh, shoot. I just said on the show, <laughs> I always talk to our viewers about how, um, you know, our people on the show, how I met them and how God's providence sort of reigned supreme and brought us into each other's lives. Can you just share about how we know each other and how we met? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, you know, follow you obviously on the Life Network for Women and you are walking down the elevator or whatever and I'm like hey 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 um you have red pants on and I was like I know her so anyway I just reached out to you and said um introduce myself and and it was you it was Beth so and, and I yeah. was you guys I smiled so big bigly when I saw Dr. Trudy because it was I think you had just come in from a run or some exercise routine because you had your cap on yeah I and I'm like and I'm like, this is my kind of people, right? Like she is awesome. And she is like out there doing her thing. And then the more that I got to know about you and re be reminded about you, you are an incredible athlete. And can you talk to me a little bit about your iron woman experience? I'd love to know more about all of your iron women stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've done um, 13 Ironman and Ironman races, um, 140 miles. It's a, it's a two and a half mile swim. Um, and then it's a 112 mile bike and then it's a marathon at the end. And I've done 13. I've actually crossed the finish line 12 times. So I went to Boulder and um, DNF, which means did not finish 
because I passed out at mile eight of the run. And so I went back the next year and I, I crossed that finish line. And so um, I am going this October to the world championship in Hawaii to do the world championship race. So I'm quite excited. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that part. Is that the Alcatraz thing? No, that is something completely different. Okay. So Alcatraz, yeah, you, you swim with sharks. Um, and I have swam with sharks and alligators, but um, the Hawaii, it's in Hawaii and it's um, the world championship for the Ironman. So Alcatraz is a separate race, which I have not done yet. And I don't know if I will. Yeah. Yeah. I have a buddy from my former um, city where I raised my daughter who did that. And I just was in awe. I'm in awe of people who, you know, I run and I'm, yes. that's it. I'm a, I'm a one-stop shop over here. I'm and not, you're a fast runner, I learned. I, I've done Boston a couple of times. So with enough yeah. training, my legs will turn over on a good day. Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> but dual athlete, triathlete, not even close. So I am always like at the end of this, you just go, yeah, you know, it's 112 miles. And then I run a marathon at the end. I'm like, are you, I, <laughs> wow. So you know, it's really what you train your body for. And you know that, and more, more so it's, it's your mind. It's a mental game than it is any, than anything else. I mean, you know, you get to a point in any part of your life that you don't feel like you can keep going. But if you're, if you convince your mind that you can, then you, then you can cross any finish line. That's Just right. More mental than it is anything. Absolutely. And that is a, a fantastic segue because I know that we've both been through some difficulties in life because we've lived enough life that we can't avoid it, right? This is just, this is, this is the human experience. And so one of the things that I read about, um, you know, not only I'm, I'm stuck on the women's health thing too. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a writer and a model for women's health and fitness magazine. You guys, she's no joke out there. Like, must <laughs> well, about. I was, I was, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm 50. Uh, the fitness model that I used to be. Oh my goodness. It's, it's crazy. I, I just am so in awe of this, but so the, the segue that I wanted to share is that you said it's, it's mental. So can you talk to us about a point in your life where you faced adversity and how you got through it? Did you pull from your faith? Did you pull from your experience? And I'm sure it's, the answer is probably yes to both, but just a little bit of your backstory. Like, have you always been wired like this? Has God always been a part of your journey? What that faith journey and that mental perseverance has looked like for you? You know, I, yes, 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 yes. I've always been a, a, a faith person, even growing up. You know, I was the only person in my family who, who had to be in church. I had to be in church. That was my, that was my safe place. It was my saving ground because, you know, growing up in an abusive home, there was no other safe place but church. Um, and so I've always pulled on my faith, even to pull other people out at a young age of destruction on my, with my faith. But, um, you know, at age 19, Beth, I had a, I had a come to Jesus moment where I just didn't want to live. I was just done. I had struggled with um, eating disorders and cutting and depression and just so much. Um, and it, I was at a stop sign and I was like, Lord, I just, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do life anymore. I've, I've just, I've got to, I've got to hear from you. Um, I've got to know you love me, you know, because life was just so hard. And I just remember him, I had this vision of him, Jesus on the cross. And you know that when you see the picture, his head's hanging down and then he looks up. Well, he looked up and he, his eyes met my eyes and he's like, I died for you. And I rose three days later because I love you. And at that moment, I, I really had to dig deep in my faith and say, okay, life is worth living. And I want to spend my life helping other people live to their full potential. 
So that was probably it at age eight at 19. Didn't get much better, but I was, I was more focused on, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to push through. And that's when I started um, really strengthening my mind. My little girls come in. Yeah. Okay. You know, Um, oh, what a sweetie. And you know, you know, what's interesting to me. Hi. Is that. I'm sorry. What is your name? This is Albie. Albie. Hey, hi, I'm back. Yes. Oh, I am going to be my pajamas when I'm out off of the show with your mom too. That's right. All right. All right. Say bye to Miss Beth. Hi. Nice to meet you. All right. See you later. Oh, what a sweet. Oh, love her. Okay. You know what? My baby girl is 24. And that's what I wanted to, when you share that story with us, when you're about age 19, I feel like a lot of the women on the show have shared similar experiences. They've grown up in abusive households Mm -hmm. and about age 18, 19, 20, it's like, I'm done. I don't know how to do this life. I don't know. I don't know how to feel loved and valued. And I just think that's a really tough season of life. And I couldn't reach Olivia my daughter at that age very well either. I just know that by showing up in each other's lives and trying to model the love that Jesus has for us unconditionally. Right. Right. Matters. And eventually with enough prayer and enough, um, just guidance, right. Mm -hmm. And enough, just faith eventually this is the encouragement I want to share with people. Yeah. Eventually, eventually we're not, we're not there anymore. Life goes on, you know? So how long do you think it, it took you to get out of that season? You know, a good point, you know, they say tough times don't last, but tough people do. Right. And that's where we do have to press in and press into God. So at age 19, yes, I had that turning point. Things didn't get much better. I had, I went and was engaged three times to very abusive man, men. And then the Lord took me to this, um, this ministry and I started working there and the, the, the people there loved me so much and poured into me that that's when my freedom really started to happen. And I really started to, to know who I was in Christ. Um, and so I was probably 23, 24. And then I met my husband at 27. Yeah. Um, and that, and he, the Lord used him dramatically in, in my healing process, wow. which was really great. But I want on a side note, the little girl who just came in, her name is Albie and we adopted her, um, five years ago. Wow. She was my great niece. And I think about, you know, her mom was 19 mm-hmm. and, and totally gave up. And so I think sometimes we don't, and I'm like, she's missing all this, mm. um, because she, she, she couldn't let go of the drugs and alcohol. And so for people who are watching, who think that life isn't going to get better, I just want them to see, you know, there's a sweet little baby that there's, there's reasons to live. There's reasons to keep going. There's reasons to become stronger in who you are instead of letting life take control and take over. Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. It's so true. And I have been in those moments, obviously, where I didn't know what you just said to be true. I have gotten in dark places and thought this situation of divorce, this situation of cancer, this, whatever the situation was that I didn't expect and certainly wasn't in control of, you know, we have a choice in our thoughts. And and part of it is to say, we have to believe that this too shall pass because everything passes. And if you look at Solomon, right. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Mm -hmm. he's like, you know what, that was meaningless. And that was meaningless. And now that I've lived life, I understand what really matters. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's when we are at our lowest, that there's something just around the corner 
that's it's gonna so be true. like what this is so great but we didn't see it coming right we give up we give up too soon and i think about that with races people do the the finish line is right around the corner they, it is right around the corner but because they can't see it they they, they quit and if they could have just seen what was around the corner they would have kept going and then they would have finished strong because when you're finishing a race you probably know this as being in boston when you're coming down the final mile i mean think of all the people that are there cheering you on and i think about that being in heaven you know we're we're doing our race and we might get tripped up we might fall but when we're coming in you know it's the hardest part isn't it coming mm -hmm. into the finish line but you have all these people cheering you on and that just energizes you. So you could just make it around the corner. That's There's it. people on either side cheering you. And, and Father God is up in heaven saying, you got this. You yeah. can do this. Just a little more. Find that inner strength. Push a little harder. Get your mind right. And get rid of this stink, that stinking thinking. And just keep going, you know? Yeah, I absolutely do know. And you're right. It's like, but I'll tell you in a race, when the people start ringing the cowbells at mile 20, and they're like, you're almost there. And I'm like, there's six more miles. <laughs> but, but it's true. It's the encouragement. It's when people yeah. come alongside us on our journey and say, you, you got this, you can do this. And so right. I think my experience has taught me that so many of us get stuck or give up at mile 22 or give up at whatever it is in life that is so heavy for us because we think we're not worthy. Exactly. We, think, we think we're not deserving of what awaits us out of this terrible situation that we're in. And a lot of times it's a little bit of, you know, martyrdom might sound strong, but almost like, hey, wait, I deserve this. I deserve to be punished. I deserve to feel lousy. I deserve to be left and abandoned or hurt and abused because I am not worth more love. And that's to your point where Jesus is like, look what I'm doing for you. Yeah. Right. I see you. Jesus says, I see you. I knew you before you were born. Mm -hmm. And because I know who you are, I believe in unconditional, not transactional love. It is literally right. unconditional love. And I think especially people like us who are doers, right? Like achievers, right? It's really the hardest to say, wow, look, I'm earning this love here. Like, look at me, right? Like I'm doing all these amazing things in the world. And Jesus is like, it's free. You exactly. could do nothing and I would love you the same. Mm -hmm. There's no performance base, no, no performance base. And I, there's a song out there that says, there's no first in line at the cross. You know, at the foot of the cross, there's no first in line. God sees us all as sons and daughters of the king. He sees us as righteous and whole. He sees us as redeemed and beautiful. But it is hard. You know, we get stuck in that pattern of self-pity or unworthiness. And, and you know, when I counsel people, I'm like, you have to literally take that thought, like make sure, you know, visualize taking that thought and casting it out and making sure that those thoughts that you have line up with the word of God. You know, but a lot of times we get stuck in that familiar pattern. It's easier sometimes to feel self-pity, unworthy, than it is to, to break that mold and get unstuck to start thinking those healthy thoughts. Yeah, you're exactly right. And taking it back to um, uh, an athletic or competitive or running situation, I'll, I'll never forget when I was trying to qualify for Boston, it took me a while and somebody finally looked at me, a really wise man who'd run it several, several times super fast. And he said, I don't think you fear, fear failure. I think you fear success, right? He said, you have a fear of actually doing it. And I went, that's a thing. It, it really took me off guard. Yeah. I thought, no, I really want to, to win. I want to get the number. I want to do the things, but, but he's right. Because really what in my immature faith journey, I thought that somehow my identity was wrapped in what I did or did not do. And so I thought if I do this thing and succeed, 
then who am I? Then what else do I have to do to prove who I am? And I'm like, nothing, nothing. And so that's when you rest in Jesus, when you realize, you know what, it's not performance-based. It's hard though. It's hard. (laughs) It is hard. It is hard. And I think people, some people, you know, failure is what they know. Right. And failure is who they are because that's what they've been told their whole life. So to break out of that mold, you know, is, is scary. You know, God created us to all be successful, but a lot of people, they go through that cycle in their head, you know, and then they create that life of, of, of being a failure because that's familiar for them. With your marriage and that, that mindset that you just shared with us, does that help? I know you guys do some marriage counseling. Is that right? Like for other people? Yes, we do. So we, um, we, two um, couples who are struggling, yes, on the verge of divorce or just some traumatic things that they're going through. So yeah, we do um, premarital, premarital and marital counseling. Yeah. Yeah. And that really matters. And so I was going to, I have no idea this answer, but do you get into the Enneagram at all? Sometimes I do, but I, I don't focus on it because what I found in counseling is that people change. Mm. So if we focus on, and, and I've said this, you know, some people can be, even when you get into the, the cholerics and the personality types, people change. And so I try not to focus on that, but I try to focus on their God-given identity mm. and, and that versus the, um, the ideograms or the personalities, because I, I just find that people change given circumstances and situations that they're in. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I, I struggle with it. Sometimes I find it really helpful. And sometimes I feel mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, are we just labeling somebody so that they yeah. feel like, oh, I'm a three or I'm a nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And therefore they're unable to change that. That feels very limiting sometimes, I think. And I agree. And I heard a pastor talk about that one time and that really kind of shifted the way I, I viewed those um, different personality tests because God, he created us in his image and the more we get to know him, the more we get grounded and rooted in him, then we tend to change just like a marriage. You know, you're married for 30 years. Well, my husband doesn't like the same food. He liked when we first got married, he doesn't dress the same. Well, he kind of dresses the same, <laughs> but you know, think people change. And the more you get grounded and rooted in Christ, your personality can change. I mean, sometimes I'm a strong introvert. And then sometimes I'm a strong extrovert. It just, it depends. And that's why I try to look at the whole person instead of putting, okay, so you're an introvert and you're never going to be an extrovert, but that's not true because like even actors, they're introverts in private, but when they're on the set, they come alive. And so I, I tend to focus on the whole person versus the yeah, because people change. Yeah, and that's a, a super good point because I'm sure that's why you direct people to scripture. Yes. Because once once we know who God is, and so you know, I think Jesus embodied embodies all all nine, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. nine numbers or all nine because because Jesus is all things to all people, and if God is living and breathing and active inside of us as the Holy Spirit, right, embodying us, yeah. then as we become more spiritually mature on our journeys, then we can tap into those different personality types and say, I'm a full human. I'm, I'm continuing on this journey to become more Mm Christ-like. And that's what it says. He, from glory to glory, he changes us from glory to glory Mm -hmm. and we're like Christ. And so we're not like a sanguine. We we may have those tendencies, but you know what I'm saying? We're, we've got to focus on Christ and, um, and not so much the numbers or the personality plus or whatever it is, because Christ made us in his image. 
Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I will on that note, ask you one more question before we wrap things up. I also read that you try to show up in the world and with all of the various ways that you connect with people, right. Through print and through media and through coaching and all of the things that you show up every day to do um, Isaiah 61. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So will you talk to us a little bit about what that scripture, that passage in Isaiah means to you and how you would encourage us to perhaps lean into that and then, you know, come alongside our brothers and sisters and, and act like that. Well, I want to read it. So let me find it real quick, unless okay. you have it to read. So people will know. I, I do. I have it. Um, let's see. Probably a good point. We should read the scripture, right? <laughs> um, I think, I mean, God has healed me from so many things. He has set me free from so many things, but it says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me and commissioned me to bring the good news to the humble and afflicted. He has set me to bind up the wounded, the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to those who are captive and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favor of the Lord. So I, for me, it's like, though I was in prison, Mm. my own prison and the Lord set me free. And the Lord healed me of, I had um, Graves disease. I wasn't able to get pregnant. Um, I could go on and on. I used to cut myself. I don't have scars. Um, And because he set me free, I just feel like that's my job. Mm. And I love it. I love being able to set the captives free by using God's word, by using his truths. And um, I mean, God still heals today. I just talked to someone who had cancer and um, they have, they don't have cancer anymore. They're cancer free, you know, but it doesn't have to be cancer. It can be a broken heart. It can be, like I said, the prison that you have created for yourself you know, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. My other favorite scripture is John 10, 10. And it says the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. But God has come that you may have life and have it abundantly. But there's a lot of people who are not living the abundant life. And I don't mean abundance like a big house or a car, but the abundance of knowing that Jesus Christ loves you just the way you are. And he can set you free from everything, from addiction, from self-hatred, from low self-esteem, from whatever. He can set you free. And I feel like that is is my goal in life is to set as many people free as I can, bring as many people across the finish line as I can, because it's about furthering the kingdom for Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ and furthering the kingdom. And so Isaiah 61, yes, I want to set the captives free. I, I want to heal the sick. I want the blind, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear what God has in store for them. Wow. Wow. All I know what to say is a giant amen to that because amen. yes, that's it. Just amen. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for coming alongside other women. Thank you for being here and for saying in the elevator, hey, are you Beth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. But this is what God does and this is what he continues to do. And um, I just thank you and I'm very grateful for you and for your time here today. So Dr. Trudy, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, you guys, thank you as always for being here. I love that you continue to show up in this community. Before I talk to you a little bit about Dr. Trudy, I would love to ask you a favor. Uh, for those of you in this world, no CTA is calls to action. Here's your call to action. Listener, please, please, please rate, follow, subscribe, all the things on this podcast. I would really appreciate it. As you know, in this world, that's very important. And I just am grateful that you continue to show up here in this community as we endeavor to do, which is 
remorselessly, without guilt, in spite of wrongdoing. We are all so much more than the sum total of our past mistakes and choices and you know, in the religious world, the sins. So please know you matter, you have value, you have worth, you have so much more to offer this world than anybody has tried to box you in and believe otherwise. So as you heard Dr. Trudy talk about, she's an iron woman, right? She has shown up on her own journey. She has not succumb to the labels and the expectations and the assumptions that this world probably has placed on her as well. She's overcome a lot in her life, just as we all have. So I hope that these interviewees on the show continue to give you guys inspiration, continue to help you believe that you're not alone because none of us are. None of us are. We all are here for a reason at just the right time in this giant story of humanity. So Thank you as always for being here. If I can help in any way, bethfisher.com, there's coaching, other things that I endeavor to do to help people on their journey. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And I will see you guys in two weeks, right after Labor Day. As a reminder, we go back to our weekly production schedule. I hope this summer you have also found rest and rejuvenation and renewal. Okay, how's that for three R alliterations right here? So thank you guys. I will see you in two weeks.